This episode is brought to you by having water at your disposal, having, you know, clean food and clean water at your disposal at any time and just taking that in because one day you might find yourself on an island at war with mankind itself, Oh God! starting afresh and to find fresh water and food, you'll have to enslave passing sailors. Uh, have to is a strong, <laughs> I mean, well, a strong I, word. You know, it's kind of you know. I Are mean, you ha- saying it was a choice? <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing, man. It's like if you're, you're like, All right, I'm the king. It's like, what are you going to be the king of nothing? No, you get some slaves. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what happened in our movie. Oh boy, this you know, the, the, this movie does make me want to just get a nice tropical beverage. <laughs> It's funny because it, it, you could make the kit, you know, it's a nice island classic. It's nice, great beach vibes, but oh, yeah. much like old, like we talked about on the main feed. This, there's something wrong with this beach. And this has to do with a monster that lives on the beach. And he's played by Everett McGill. And his name is Oberless. And he's a harpooner. And something terrible happened to him. Uh, the, the people on the boat that he was working on as a harpooner uh, they burned his face and made him into the iguana, the titular iguana. And so he has this half uh, s- scorched off face and he is at war with mankind because of how he was treated. This movie's crazy. I, I, I've I seen the Monty Hellman movies leading up to this one other than like the first earliest ones that he made for Corman. Uh, but I truly was not expecting something so sparse even though his other films are sparse and so ambiguous even though his other films are ambiguous and so like genre bending and just straight up beautiful uh despite what his other films had shown me from him this still feels like such an anomaly and such just a uh i I, i'm still kind of processing it the fact that this movie exists is very strange like it's a it's a movie that just doesn't feel like it exists no and i think i mean that's that's why you gotta you know show some major love to it and uh, yeah this movie did it's a truly baffling movie of Mm -hmm. like something that like to be honest like i was still thinking like is well this is kind of my ignorance i guess but i must have missed the part where they're like i thought he was an iguana for some reason i thought they just never addressed it but like uh, uh, <laughs> so that does take away a little bit for me but uh, uh no but just kind of like well, no because he kind yeah. of takes that as like he that he becomes that kind of like when he impregnates a woman he's like if it looks like me i'll That's, have to throw it off the cliff and it's like we saw you know the, yeah the, the the burn happened but uh Hey, maybe he's you know he he believes it at that point because there's no sense of time in this. Like the iguana treatment could have happened to him long before his second uh, and successful attempt to escape that ship. You know he could have lived as the iguana for quite some time between those two scenes. This movie is is just uh, it's so it's very sad. It's very very beautiful movie, and it's just I don't know. You know you want the iguana man to figure figure it all out. But, uh, you know, obviously this way where you enslave random people, subject them to torture, rape, mutilation, uh, killing of their peers. 
I don't know. It it is uh it it does kind of um you know, there's the classic outsider, you know, you have your outsider who's been wronged by society and they want to take revenge. And in this movie he does. He kind of he gets his revenge. He gets all of that and it's just it approximates into something that's not very self-satisfactory for him. So, you know, hey, maybe you don't need to go get revenge, but like I don't I don't, it is it like I I struggle just like uh like producing words about this movie just because it is, I mean, kind of like old, it, it kind of just, it's so many things at once for me. And I don't know, it's, it's for a movie to where I list the things that happened, you know, very brutal, you know, and whatnot for it to just kind of have like this somber tone to it that it kind of strikes home, you know, throughout the whole movie. I don't know. It just, there's a special touch to this movie that really, really affected me. Yeah. It just is so beautiful and painful like i i mean you can understand like his rate like i uh i don't know a lot of times you do feel like the iguana man where you want (laughs) to obey no laws except the ones that you create because society has uh cast you away and you're at war with mankind and like you can get that and it's like obviously he's doing like terribly fucked up things but he is trying like it's weird that he's trying to be like his own version of fair and like doing it. It's like, there's a, I don't know. There's certainly an intense level of cruelty in all of his actions, but it's not like, I don't know. It's not just like, it's not him like utterly sadistic. Like he's not like kidnapping people and just torturing them for fucking fun. Well, yeah, yeah no, right away he tells them, I will give you justice. <laughs> like, despite you being my slave, you know, I'll be a reasonable slave owner. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, uh, fuck, I forgot what I was going to well, say. Well, it's only someone who has been treated like that by, you know, ship captains and what other, whatever other kind of bosses he's had that, like, still, despite him being a full-on monster and recognizing that he is, as he says, at war with all of mankind, uh, that he still, like, can't go beyond what he thinks is an extreme, which still leads to him repeatedly raping and mutilating and just killing people. Still, like, he still kills people. You know, it's just only if they're really out of line. Yeah, I mean, he's still, he's still a part of mankind, though he may be at war with it and, like, in that sense, like he can't like in his weird utopian society, it's not like something better. He's still restricted to yeah. like the cruelty of humanity. Well, that and that's what's kind of what makes this movie kind of special, right? Is that like, like he's not, it's, you know, the maybe the start is like I'm going to take revenge against men, but he wants to start a new way of life, basically, right? Like him kind of kidnapping these people, you know, forcing them to labor. You know, it's it's hey, it sounds like a lot, you know, like the other societies, you know, we, we know and love. But and I think that's what kind of makes it, you know, this kind of sad reach for like, I want to live a different way. You know what I mean? A way where I, I guess I'm the king, you know, it's my law. But it's like also it's just I, I'm doing this in reaction to the cruelty around me and the cruelty directly, you know, imposed on me. And like the idea, it's like I could create a different world and it's just as ugly and brutal as the one that made him. Kind of a bummer. <laughs> kind of a yeah. bummer. Kind of a bummer. But it's on a nice beach. <laughs> no, I love when he first gets to that beach and he's just like wandering about these giant rock formations and these caves and mm-hmm. Hellman's cameras exploring it alongside with him. And he's like 
trying to scratch off the tattoo that he has. Uh, and that's like the first image of the movie too. It's like a close up on the tattoo of his arm too, before he swings his harpoon across the fucking uh, deck of the boat or whatever, which is also so great. Just like the few scenes of just a bunch of sailors getting drunk and, you know, bantering with each other. Oh, it's just the bants. <laughs> I, I, I just think that's great. Hellman is so great at like showing that kind of, um, male camaraderie for all of its flaws for the most part. Like yeah. throughout his movies, he constantly is showing that. And, you know, Warren Oates was usually the the symbol of that. And here Warren Oates had passed away, you know, the first title at the end, or the first credit rather. Uh so it's for Warren. So here we have Everett McGill in that role. And it's just as mean and just as sadistic and just as like um it just as like just as much pointing the finger at like the typical ways that society has been run forever as like the bad guy in the movie, despite him being the lead. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting about this, you know, of that. And even when he's like, kind of like when he's on the beach kind of camping out and he's watching, you know, these people kind of like sing and dance and, you know, it's, it's, he, the way he kind of slinks around the island and the way he slinks around places and, you know, just as how he views things, it's like, you know, he's so outside, like he sees joy, he sees other people having it, something he can't quite conceptualize for himself. So he just kind of like slinks around and like, I don't know, I love that, you know, kind of visual conceit of just kind of, you know, you see like these people having a nice time in, in the distance and whatnot. And, you know, it really gets you in touch with, you know, kind of the internal pain of the character yeah and he's starting over too like i love when he goes there he's scraping off his tattoo and he's just like in the caves and it's like all right this is this is the start of humanity all over again he's gonna figure out the right way and how to defeat the version of humanity that's out there right now and of course that's always just gonna be a futile effort but i like the glimpses of humanity and civilization as it is that hellman gives us you know uh, you have this couple who eventually ends up on the beach and you have these other, you know, uh, whatever conquistadors or royalty or whatever people in those big period suits <laughs> huffing and puffing around whenever he shoot cuts to those. And yeah, it's just such a great contrast. Uh, like those people always seem so stuck in whatever they're doing and the, the bureaucracy or whatever of like just, yeah, the, those systems of society that don't work at all. Uh, and then he's just like trying to figure out a new one and is just creating an even darker, more primitive and more violent <laughs> mm -hmm. and sadistic one. I love kind of like those those scenes of like the couple, you know, before they arrive to the island. It kind of feels like an erotica movie, you know, a little bit like the <laughs> Has way that gold gel to it. Yeah, the gold mm. gel, a lot of like luxurious bedroom chilling and talking really close to each other and whatnot. And I love the way that, you know, it figures into the editing because there's a couple points where it's like there'll be a, you know, like either like we're there and we hard cut to Lizardland or we're in Lizardland. We hard cut, you know, to the, the luxurious couple, you know, mm -hmm. having sex arguments or whatever. And it's so it, it, it it's kind of a. I don't know. It's I guess maybe funny is the wrong word, but it's just like such a hard contrast. You know what I yeah. mean? It's just like people in the most nice, you know, sick bedrooms wearing sick clothing. And then you got Everett McGill getting it out the mud. <laughs> 
And I don't think Hellman's afraid to be funny in this movie no, yeah. either. Like when he first captures those sailors uh, as, you know, when Everett McGill captures a few sailors to take as his slaves. And there, there's one of them who's mute. And he's just like watching the other two guys get, you know, chained up and enslaved or whatever. And he just kind of joins the scene later and just kind of puts his hands up. And one of them goes, he doesn't talk. <laughs> he just kind of puts his hand up like yeah you you can you can chain me up if you want kind of <laughs> yeah it's better than just hanging around you're like dang you know you know even they're enslaved they're hanging out with each other <laughs> early on loyalties are tested like how you made the survivor parallel in old <laughs> uh, the allegiances the alliances are tested as uh <laughs> The the guy, I think his name is George, who's made to cook the food at first, tries to kill Everett McGill. Um, and for punishment, his friend has to chop his head off. And it's such a great, intense scene that just keeps delaying the action over and over. And then, uh, you know, Everett McGill proposes a new scenario. He's like, well, all right, you do it. And then uh, just give the knife over to your friend and he'll behead you and if he doesn't do it you pass it back and forth and just like the psychological torture of that the guy's like okay Ugh. fuck i'll just do it and it, it's such a great special effect with just like quickly sped up footage and the beheading just goes down so swiftly with that perfectly lined up head rolling on the floor to looking like pretty much right back at the camera as it tumbles uh just lovely now that scene really like taps you into like the brutality like Cause like I don't know, like you don't know exactly when he's when he starts enslaving people. Are like, where's this gonna go? Like, what's what's gonna happen here? And like, you know, the brutality that follows after that, you know, is indicative of what you know what's going on. But you know, you kind of I don't know. In that scene, I was you know wondering. It's like, well, I wonder if someone's head is gonna get chopped off like that. And then Hellman fucking delivers with a fucking a slap of a chop. <laughs> and 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 uh, I don't know. Like I love how yeah it like. Like it goes to the scenario of just like, well, what if I just say no? You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to do it. I'd rather die than, you know, or, you know, die at the hand of you, this crazy, you know, guy who's enslaving us than, you know, me to kill my friend. And then kind of like how, you know, Everett McGill kind of games the situation and, you know, makes people who are ultimately good, ultimately, you know, know what the right thing to do is. This guy knows how to write and read as a it's shown in the movie and like just putting him in a position to where it's like, you got to cut your fucking friend's head off. And it's just, I don't know, just proposing these kind of like, uh, these primitive, you know, start of society type, uh, scenarios and kind of applying it to so-called sophisticated people and making them go primitive themselves. And there's like that. I like, is it like immediately afterwards? The scene is the guy who cuts off the head. He's staring at his reflection in the water yeah. I love that there are moments like that after the brutality where the characters are just sort of like weighing it. Because you get that with Everett McGill too, where mm-hmm. he's just sort of looking like painfully at his reflection. And it's like, I mean, I think there is like obviously like you're kind of reveling in like the, like someone getting their head chopped off that's intense and like visceral there and the guy lets out like even a scream mm-hmm. as he's doing it but just then uh i don't know there's you there's a lot of sitting with the consequences of everything here no that's a, that's a very good point you know kind of like you know not too many characters in this movie you kind of get you know certain dynamics you have like the alpha captain who was gonna like kill him at first and that wraps back around 
but like every decision that's kind of made here is like considered very heavily you know and like kind of i don't know drawn out and like yeah you really get the full emotional like uh i don't know pattern of the scene like you like it's just you know it's not you know we chopped the head off for the shot and that would have been just good too hey i didn't you know get enough of a scene to where but then we emotionally consider it the the rapes or whatever that happened in the movie are somewhat you know emotionally considered in very strange and weird ways and i I guess that's just what makes this movie really great is like how in tune it is with that you know quality and you had said that the couple that we see in that like all gold room earlier felt feels like you're in in like an erotic film in that scenario well they they make true on that promise when they stumble onto this beach and uh that's where everett mcgill finds them he kind of interrupts a sex scene he's like hey man this sex scene I gotta move the plot forward. Let me uh, <laughs> let me get in here and intervene, and that is when the, that couple is taken, um, you know, as property by Everett McGill, and you just have them like in this darkness after he finds them and like throws them into this layer of the cave or whatever, and them together in that darkness is so crazy. Uh, like I don't know, there's just a little bit of candlelight on like the outside of the frame, kind of, but they're just totally silhouettes and a lot of the frame is black too. And I don't know Hel- Hellman's use of the darkness of those caves is really extraordinary in this. No, I was, yeah, that's something I wrote down like the cave imagery and like, just like the small trails of light going in, you know, I, I didn't see green night, but you know what I mean? This is how you kind of do, you know, sophisticated, you know, kind of touches of, you know, lighting exactly. to still have a darker scene, like some beautiful cave stuff going on. It's like, dang, should I live in a cave? You know? But uh, I don't think that's... I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Probably for the best, yeah. yeah. I don't think the society he's building here is all that good. Well, yeah. true. I could just... You do get some good cave time, though. I was yeah. just going to say, I could just post up in the cave, no society building. But yeah, yeah even then, no. Nah. I might I might, I might, might go caveman mode. <laughs> all right, Oberlos is good in theory, but when you put it into practice, it just never really pans out. Um, yeah, that's my, sorry, but that's my, yeah, I'm no longer a, a, a strict red communist as I was before. I have <laughs> the political <laughs> philosophy of iguana. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm the red with... to iguana pipeline runs very strong, you know? <laughs> yeah. I like how one of the guys like teaches him how to read. Uh, I guess it's over the course of like a month, uh, because time is just so elusive in this movie, but he he makes a promise with him. You know, if you don't teach me how to read over the next month, I'm gonna cut your hand off. <laughs> or he wants to write too. Yeah, but he ends up reading Don Quixote, and he's just like talking to Michael Madsen, who's one of the guys who he's captured, uh, and he's kind of his right hand man, uh, his lieutenant. Actually, he gives him a promotion about halfway through the movie to lieutenant, or as these fucking. UK weirdos call it lieutenant. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm going down to the Abel Ferrara retrospective. Yeah, one for a bad lieutenant, please. <laughs> Can you imagine? Le- yeah, that would be like you said it wrong. Yeah, that's would, not that's the right what way the to ticket say it. taker would say. <laughs> you don't get to see the movie since you said the title wrong, so you could go home now <laughs> and think about what you did, how you butchered the english language <laughs> hey, speak english pal <laughs> saying that to british people is funny right yeah, that is we speak funny. english here yeah <laughs> but not to other people no let's not do no. that hey. <laughs> hey we have one peoples we can make fun of with that wow 
No, I'm not. Look, I'm not. Uh, yeah, no. You know what? I'm taking after Everett McGill. I'm not doing Oberlis, but I'm just. I'm, ma- I'm making my own. I'm setting my own rules for going this. our own way. So yeah, he he's talking to Michael Madsen about Don Quixote, and I love how he's just like discovering, uh, I guess, meaning in like stories and stuff like that. Because he's like, so this Don Quixote guy. The woman he loves, like, she's actually a whore. But is she actually, like, really cool, though? And Michael Madsen is just like, yeah, I don't know, man. (laughs) It's such a fucking funny conversation. (laughs) Well, all the book talk, I mean, when he's stealing the book, he's like, what is this, the Odyssey? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I love when he's like... Who says like I love all book I love all books except, except the, the Bible, Bible which yeah. is like that's so that's, good that's hard as fuck yeah <laughs> <laughs> truly anti humanity stance <laughs> yeah but that's when he kind of boards this passing ship uh, that, that's when he's getting a little out of control he's like oh this water is my jurisdiction you guys are here <laughs> so he just boards this passing ship he slits the throat of the people that are on board for the most part the people that are above deck at least and you get a great splatter effect even on one of those throat slits uh, maybe predating Hellman's work in the silent silent night deadly night franchise that would come later uh, but but a really great throat cutting with blood just gushing up into uh, McGill's face and he's just like not unfazed by it like you would usually see a horror villain. He's kind of grossed out by it, which I found kind of funny. Like he like immediately has to wipe it off. Uh, but then he takes one of his, you know, uh, soon to be slaves, takes all of his books and gold, and uh, yeah, it's a it's a pretty crazy scene. He smokes out the rest of the crew. Uh, they they all die of smoke based suffocation below the deck. Yeah, he really, you know. He really, before kind of like the rocky shores of reality kind of sets in, he really does kind of go on a, a rampage. And it is like, since everything in this movie, especially to this point, like I've, you feel like the somber consideration of everything. And you, you're like, huh? Where's this going? Yeah. Where's the, yeah. where's the what's the, is a iguana man about to colonize Spain or something? I, I mean, know. he plants the flag. I, I don't know how they made the flag, but they made a flag and they planted it. <laughs> Which is so great because it's just a picture of an iguana, which True. is just such a sick flag. That's sick that, you know, even all the criticisms you could give his little society created, he got it up and running. Oh, absolutely. They got a flag going. All right. All right. Not bad. Uh, I mean, and that's <laughs> the first try, too. You know how many, yeah. like, awful flags we had before we got our True. nice, solid stars and stripes? Yeah, Betsy Ross killed it. <laughs> American flag is kind of cool. Yeah, let's not. I don't want to take it too far here. <laughs> I mean, just, you know, aesthetically. Yeah, mid-tier, mid-tier. There's much, much better flags. You ever seen the Turkish flag? Now, that's a flag. Ugh. That flag kind of, you could have picked a better flag than the that, Turkish that's flag. That's a good, <laughs> like, good, like, working class flag. <laughs> Hard working, okay. comes off the bench, puts up great numbers. What happens next in Iguana? No, <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what happens next. Uh, the woman who he has been taking as his queen slash sex slave uh, points one of his old timey pistols at him. And this is also even more drawn out than the beheading scene in a really great way. The tension rising slowly with her pointing the gun at him and Everett McGill just kind of stalking across the cave and grabbing the other gun and pointing it at her. And uh, some great shot, reverse shot action to build the tension there before... She shoots, he shoots, it's all blanks. 
Sure, it's like, how do you get blanks? Yeah, but, I know, um, yeah, right? Yeah, that's, I was like, damn, he's working with some complex stuff here. But yeah, I I mean, that scene's great because like, like at the same time, like on a serious level, like it is like very like... Let's get serious for Let's a get serious here. on a serious level. Like it's just the tension that's drawn out from that. For him to even think of that, right? It's like, what what what's racing up there in his mind of his? Yeah. But at, at the same time, it's also like an iceberg slim old pimp's tale like i had i had to play a trick on my girl you know before you to see to see like you know i don't don't know it's just it's a it's kind of a fun detour in this movie i don't know yeah no i i think it's really incredible how much more complicated the scene becomes when it's revealed that he had set the whole thing up like him slowly getting the other gun you know knowing that it's just blanks the whole time he's like yeah i'm not as dumb as you thought i was you know and Mm, uh And it's it's really torturous, though, because it, it might be the best demonstration of, like, the brutalism of what he thinks is good for society, where he's just like, you couldn't shoot the man who's been raping you over and over? You're the real monster. I'm going to kill you for that. Like, you know, like this awful, like, interpretation of survival of the fittest, I guess. Uh, and it's really just brutal and like hard to watch at that point. And then um, it cuts from him ordering her to do a certain nasty thing oh to him. Oh my God, I forgot about uh, that. To one of the prisoners trying to break his shackles. And I guess I'll just have to put the audio clip because I'm not saying that line. <laughs> so now, how would you like to suck me until I come all over your precious dress? No, yeah, that was like that's the thing about this movie. Like, like Ever McGill will just say something like that. You're like, Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah, man. come it's on, like, man. Like, it's like it's this not Big Ed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, no, dude, you work at Big Ed's gas farm and you love Norma. Like, <laughs> I was just on your side a second ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's the thing, right? Because it's like you're not on this side, right? But you're like you've seen how much pain he's endured. You, yeah, no, you get it. And then it's like he he goes out there and he just becomes a real. Real, you know, just real stinker. You know, it's just a real. He's a real, real stinker in this. I mean, for Big Ed, that's what happens. Like having to live with fucking uh, uh, what's his wife's name in the, but not Norma, the one he's actually married to, Eye Patch Lady Nadine. Yeah, yeah, fucking married to that nutcase for <laughs> twenty five years. Yeah, I'll see you in twenty five years. <laughs> also, with that scene, like with the, gun, it's also like a lot of the scenes after that. It's like okay, they didn't shoot each other or whatever. It's like where do we go from here? It yeah. is like. There's there's a big impending, and I guess that's what if you're society building, if you're world building here, I guess that's a question you're always asking. But kind of like, it's it's a much more desolate question in this case, as we're all trapped on an island with this sadistic, you know, man who's enslaved. It's like, it's like, damn, you don't die. Like, what's what happens next? And (laughs) I mean, I guess yeah, she becomes impregnated with this baby. You can only go so far, like in his society building project. It's like you know, it's like you can't capture, you can't (laughs) enslave as many people to build like a town or like a kingdom or anything. It's like all pretty like impotent from like the get go. No, when Oberlus plays SimCity 2000, he has to start over every like two hours like he just is going way too hard trying to do crazy shit and everyone in the city dies right away and he's like ah shit i gotta start over again and society catches up to him very quickly in this one where you know uh his i guess queen slash slave as we said is pregnant with his child uh the imperial uh forces are kind of closing in on him you get a great point of view shot 
uh, from these guys trying to rescue their boy who was out, you know, exploring that territory and got enslaved there. And through a telescope, you see him kill uh, the mute slave with the old timey pistol. And just those guys looking at it through the telescope, their their reaction shot is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I love I love kind of like the ending note where it's like like they're gearing up like they're like oh we got to get the boat ready like they're coming they're coming yeah. and then it's like where are they gonna go yeah it's like oh no like and then it's like oh shit like my baby the baby's coming yeah. right now the water broke and then he's just like it's time to end this shit man. yeah it's over and it's i think over. in terms of like the resetting of you know mankind or whatever uh i think one of the best moments in terms of just like right and wrong almost is when he hands Michael Madsen the gun because he, he had promoted Michael Madsen to lieutenant like an hour into the movie. But as they're making their big escape, he gives him the gun and Michael Madsen, like he hands it to him. So he's basically still pointed it at Everett McGill. And then he takes a beat before turning to point it at the other slave. Uh, and it's just like that moment, that hesitation, and that almost like Brissonian type of like action there. Like he's so stiff when he delivers that like turn of the gun to point it at the other uh, prisoner. And he's just so stiff throughout that whole last segment. It's so weird, like the hesitation there. And I, I, I really love that. That was some fantastic physical acting by Michael Madsen in a, in a you know, the spotlight might not be on him in that scenario, but he's he's still pulling it off hardcore. It is. You do have to give Everett McGill and Michael Madsen some credit. Like, yeah. I, I don't know why I said, you know, their names with that vigor, but it's just like... It's not the usual star power you would expect. True, it's like, yeah. Yeah, I but, don't know. But it is like, it is, you know, there's some... I'm Madsen definitely has a, you know, pretty distinct presence to him and like i've i don't know i just never seen him in a movie like this before you know what yeah. i mean when you see an actor before they get like typecasted to hell and like they kind of just give a different type of performance that's always good to see and that's mm -hmm. what madsen does here. yeah madsen with the baggy pirate clothes and the hoop earring and everything <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's pretty funny he's a pretty he's like a down and dirty swashbuckler in this movie yeah. <laughs> Uh, so as the uh, the you know society types are closing in, uh, the baby is had, and then all of those plot mechanics just all go out the window, and he just takes the baby and walks into the ocean with it, and that's it. That's, that's it, and it's just like all in like this gold hue, and like the the sun is. I can't tell if it's magic hour or just like this weird hue to the film stock, yeah. but it's all just golden and it is so fucking gorgeous. And uh, I don't know. Hellman has a lot of like wide compositions that he kind of pans across throughout this movie. But this one is just the money shot of money shots, the money shot. And you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's fucking depressing. It's very He's depressing. Drowning yeah. his baby and probably just going to die in the water too. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's like all we've been through and he's, you know, he's kind of learned his lessons and he's like, it's, it's plan S time. Like, yeah, it's just fuck it. Like this, this is too worth cruel. it. Yeah. See you guys in freaking hell. Yeah. <laughs> hell or heaven. I don't give a fuck, man. I just got to get out of here. And Hey, I guess he left behind the, the books and the gold that he robbed uh, with his prisoners and they could just be like, Oh no. Yeah. We're, we, we this stuff is ours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've just been chilling here. Good for them. So everything worked out. Yeah, he could have left the baby. Could have just walked into the ocean by himself. But hey, we're not here to critique uh, the choices. A baby growing up without a father—that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You're goddamn right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. This is just like such a strange film. There's so many scenes in it that feel like 
there's no other scene in film history that's probably quite like it. You know, there's just so many weird locations, dynamics, and performances that it's a it's a Malcolm classic. It's a one of one picture. Yeah, and uh, I I I loved it. So yeah, one of the most unique movies I've seen in a while. It really, I don't know. I feel like I've been a little jokey, but like, don't want to undersell it. This movie is amazing. JT, any final thoughts? Do you, would you ever want to live like that? Um, I don't know. Some days, yes, but I, I think, <laughs> I think the movie has taught me that, like, I don't know. You, you can cast off the shackles of society, but I'm still human, man. If wow. I, if I go live alone. It's going to wind up just like that. If I move out of here, if we're not roommates anymore, I think it'll go a little something like iguana. Turn your apartment into... <laughs> I just start society. enslaving like people dropping off Amazon packages. <laughs> that's a good... Hey, let's, let's get to the writer's room. Yeah, that's a good horror up. movie concept. Yeah, you get the... Maybe spin... The, you know, the way these sequels are going, you go old school, you spin that script into a uh, Don't Breathe 3 spec script. <laughs> <laughs> get the don't breathe guy enslaving Amazon delivery drivers. I, yeah. Hey, I think we got to turn the mics off yeah. and turn the phones on. Baster of cum, you know, that comes back. That's, you know, if, if all these Green Knight fans, they should have checked out Don't Breathe. Yeah, there's some, <laughs> some ropes shot in that one. <laughs> yeah. All right, goodbye. Wayfaring strangers I'm traveling through this world alone. There is no sickness, no toil, no danger in that very